Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. And ready to go. Hot Mike with Hunt and Withrow underway across the Outkick Network. Glad you're with us, streaming live and listening live on this great radio partner. We've got Michael McHenry who will join us to break down all of the MLB trade deadline deals. That's coming up in 20 minutes, a big one that we'll get to in a moment. And uh, about an hour and a half from now, hour and 15 from now, John McClain with the latest NFL news and notes from across training camps. Chad, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hutton. Going to be a big day. They're all big. That's right. Ready to go. Uh, The U.S. Women's National Team not ready to go. That's our lead headline. Uh, The nil-nil draw. But they do advance to the knockout stage of the Women's World Cup. Uh, It's, I'm not going to pretend I was up and watched this lack of effort, but it's unanimous in the coverage of this performance. Uh, if not for uh, the, the width of a goalpost, uh, the Portuguese player towards the end would have sent the U.S. packing uh, based on results. And instead, they advance. And everyone from Carly Lloyd to coverage across the board saying it was an effortless performance. Carly Lloyd said they lacked the passion, quote-unquote, to win. Uh, a coach came back and said that those comments are insane and that's everyone's trying to win and, and put forth best effort. And then he followed up by saying, and this certainly wasn't ours, but we were absolutely trying to win in this match. But Chad, scoreless for the first time in 13 games, and the continuity doesn't seem to be there. Well, and Team USA was minus 357 to win. Portugal was plus 1,075 as an underdog. And as you mentioned, Hutton, they were a post away from yep. winning as a plus 1,075 underdog, plus 444 for the draw, if you bet wow. draw going into this game. So that's what Vegas thought of these two teams. Um, the whole dancing and, you know, partying it up with supporters after the game, you know, Carly Lloyd had a lot to say about that. I'm going to get into it a lot more a, a little bit later. It's very disappointing. And I, I am not going to be some self-proclaimed soccer aficionado right. or someone who's watching a lot of international women's soccer to know about Portugal one way or the other. I know of Portugal as a really good soccer playing nation based on their men's team. So I assume the women's team is okay. And apparently they are just okay, but a, a match the U S women's national team should have won. But when I see people who follow the, the sport religiously saying that they want to beat themselves up, because they woke up at 2 a.m. to watch that crap last night, I take that to heart. And that's what pretty much everyone is saying about the effort and the play of the U.S. women's national team. And to see Megan Rapinoe and others uh, doing what uh, looked like an, an, an Irish jig after the game in celebration and dancing on the, on the pitch had to be frustrating for those that really support this team and follow the sport a lot more than we do. We'll get into it a little bit more later, but certainly a disappointing result. The one bit of good news is they're not done. Uh, they're on to the knockout stage now. So, Hutton, none of this matters this point forward. 
if they go on to capture another World Cup. But but the, the analysts and even those who, who not just cover or are fans of the game, but actually played for the team in the past, uh, are, are saying there's not much improvement that's being shown in, in the, the troubling aspects of uh, how things have gone so far. Uh, yeah, here's hoping they put it together. And I thought the reaction was very, like, let's all go eat our orange slices after the game type yeah, for response advancing. to it. Yeah. I, I just, I, I, I expected, and this is coming from someone who hopes they win the World Cup. I'm not Same rooting here. against them at all. Same here. I, I was expecting a little bit more piss and vinegar from a side that has won multiple World Cups that the expectation is fully to win another one. And going for it's, the three It's not a given. They're not this overwhelming favorite that absolutely it's a, it's a disaster if they don't win it. But they can win the World Cup. And that did not look like that late last night. And certainly the reaction to that does not look like a championship-level team because, to me, it was very much a let's go eat our orange slices and drink our Gatorade type response to a nil-nil draw against Portugal. Disappointing. Chad, Northwestern has tabbed uh, former uh, Attorney General Loretta Lynch uh, to do the external in, in, in investigation into the culture and the overall uh, protocol that was involved in all of the allegations and the pending lawsuits that continue to mount. Uh, Lynch... Uh, served as attorney general with uh, President Barack Obama, and now she's with a firm that will be doing this investigation, starting immediately, according to Michael Schill, the president at Northwestern, who has said that her findings, Lynch's findings, will be made public for everyone to dissect. Uh, I, I read through this, Chad, and, and it's on a day where uh, they've also tabbed Skip Holtz as a special assistant for uh, Coach Braun, the interim coach, uh, David Braun. Uh, Holtz is a four-time head coach in college football and is currently the head coach of the Birmingham Stallions, the back-to-back champs in the USFL. So you got the veteran aspect bringing him in to help out. And now with Lynch overseeing this investigation, what I'm curious about with the quotes from Schill and from uh, Greg, the, the, uh, uh, the athletic, AD. yeah, the AD, AG and AD, I, how much will they be looked at in this? You know, it will, will there be findings from Michael Schill to Derek Gregg? Because the quotes in the release about um, bringing on Lynch to do the investigation are from both of those guys. And it, it, there's been this aura of untouchable with those guys because they just got there, quote unquote. Well, uh, hopefully uh, the protocols that are assessed are either fixed or they bring someone else in that's going to do something completely different because the way that this has all been handled should be a part of this assessment. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Fool me a third time, shame on everyone. And that's the way I feel about uh, President Schill and Derek Gregg at this point. He made a terrible decision in the beginning by not looking at all the facts of the investigation to suspend Pat Fitzgerald for two weeks. We could argue terrible decision or not, but he made that decision. That was what was reported. That's what he did. Then they faced public backlash, 
and he cowered on a beach somewhere in Nantucket or wherever he was vacationing, and then came back three days later and decided that wasn't good enough. Public's not on my side. I've lost the media. Let's get the media back. Let's fire Pat Fitzgerald. And then he made up all these reasons why he fired Pat Fitzgerald, new information, yada, 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 whatever. And then he says, he says we're going to look at every aspect of our organization, especially with the Jim Foster news, the baseball coach that was recently hired, that Derek Gregg, the AD, hired, then had to fire a year later. Oh, not fired. Suspended. Well, indefinitely. Whatever, but he will not be coaching again. Whatever words they want to use. He was but, fired. I, yeah, but that goes back to my point. Like, but then Shill used the words that, he's, that Derek Gregg is, is in, not in trouble, that, that, that he's fine. And now I'm supposed to believe the same set of individuals is going to come back. And if that investigation finds that Mr. Schill has done bad things here and has not been a good leader, that they're going to just fire themselves and release the investigation, maybe I'm overly cynical. I don't think that Loretta Lynch is being paid to find anything on anyone that they don't want them to find stuff on. Well, but if you I'm always that way when any university is paying for something into themselves, they're going to release what they want to release about Pat Fitzgerald to make him look even worse so they can mitigate the losses they're going to have with this lawsuit coming their way. I think more of that's going to happen than an actual introspective look at them. But and based they're on, dealing with this. Based on their announcement though, Chad, it was about the athletic department as a whole, not just the football program that is going to be investigated. So uh, it, it will uncover more than what we've seen so far. And this one is going to be made public, unlike the previous six-month investigation, where the details are, are held you know, privately currently by the, by the university. And it, the other thing, too, is if you're looking at it from a leadership standpoint, this will take a much uh, a, a broad-scope approach and if you're going from the top down, and if you're putting things on Fitzgerald as, as far as failure to you know, lead and uh, actually put policies in place that did not uh, go by the standard of the university itself, they, that's another part of this, where they're, they're comparing the, the academic culture and priorities against the athletic department. Well, that's either got to be the, the AD or the president that's overseeing that, even if they just got there. And you can tell uh, uh, how uh, misguided and uh, just kind of the, everything thrown together it, it, it's been with them as well based on how this has been handled over the last month and a half or so. I, I believe that this investigation will show that it was a football pro program problem. They'll probably look at a couple other things. But it's baseball, volleyball is another part Within of this the lawsuit the athletic now. department. But my point is they're going to find that Derek Gregg has nothing to do with it and that Shill has nothing to do with it. If I'm wrong, I'll be the first to raise my hand well, and say, no right or wrong, boy, they really did a good job of investigating everyone because I, I just don't under, I don't know how you continue with Derek Gregg as AD, given that he hired one of the guys you had to fire so quickly. Right? And I'm not, it, I'm not hell-bent on costing a guy his job. I just, if you're truly saying this is a low point for our athletic department and our university – but we're going to keep our president and our AD. When everything's around the athletic department, I don't know how you sell that to the public without a completely fresh start, tear off the Band-Aid, and start anew with president and AD. I don't think this investigation is going to get rid of either one of them. And for that reason, I think it's a bit of a shame. 
Yeah. Well, but the the other part of it though is, will the investigation bring up things within the football program of other coaches, or you know, they're 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 they will be interviewing the players. They will also talk to faculty members and alumni and coaching staff and those within the athletic department of the university from the very top. So that was also a part of the story. And, you know, it, both guys have been there for about a year, if not a, over, barely over a year, with Shill coming from Oregon and then Greg just getting there as well. But again, the, the standards have been in place even with them if you want to point back to what protocol was versus what it's going to be now. Chad, uh, Hutton, we have breaking news right now, okay. if you'd like to hear Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Uh, the long-awaited show-me-the-money yeah, of George Klyavikov two minutes ago from Pete Thamel. We are now seeing the money, and I don't think it's going to be the money that Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah want to see in order to stay put in the Pac-12. From Pete Thamel two minutes ago, sources, the primary deal presented to Pac-12 executives and ADs today was a primarily Apple TV Plus streaming deal. The deal would have incentivized tiers, which would give it strong upside if, and if is in in all caps here, certain subscription numbers are met. This is not good. and Not good for the Pac-12 because linear TV always needed to be a piece of this. And when they're only mentioning Apple TV streaming and they're only mentioning, hey, we're going to pay you this much, but it can get up to this much. Yeah, if, a, if, if, if a million people subscribe to our Pac-12 package, based on how poorly the MLS package is done with Apple TV, I don't think this is good news for Pac-12 members. It, it can't be. And this is why they haven't disclosed the monetary value of this from the, the conference stance with Klyavikov. Because he's been saying this is going to be on par with the ACC and Big 12. Well, if you're the universities, if you're the presidents and, and uh, the athletic departments, you're waiting to see, okay, what's actually on the table? And if that's true, we can stay loyal. We can band together and try to keep this thing going. This is a, a pipe dream. It, it has been, but you've got your own uh, commissioner um, who is pointing to the very top of this deal as what's possible whenever he brings up the ACC and Big 12 comparisons, which is not going to be met as soon as others begin to leave. And we already know that at some point, Oregon and Washington are bolting for the Big 10 as well. Chad, this is, this is also just looking at it outside in. Colorado immediately jumped ship thinking it makes more sense to return where we were in the Big 12. And now others are going to follow Colorado not follow USC and UCLA, but Colorado uh, already in. And now the Big 12 just sits back and waits. It sounds like they want Arizona among that list. Utah won't return phone calls. I bet they pick up the phone now based on this because their arch rival, BYU, has a much better media deal and package than what they've just been presented to them currently uh, as of earlier today. And this was through Thamel. Pete Thamel. And we haven't seen the numbers yet, so... If the number, I think it's 31.2 or something like that per team for the Big 12 and their extension. Let's say that theirs and is 27 and it could get them to 35 with Apple TV subscriptions. Well, that's, that's fine. But if it's something where it's you're going to get 22 or 20, but it can get up to that Big 12 number, that's a problem. And if there's no linear TV, Pete Thamel saying the wording is important here. 
primarily streaming on Apple is what this media deal entails. Is the other part on CW? Is the other part on uh, you know some other small-time network? It doesn't appear that Fox and ESPN, the two heavyweights here, are that interested in the Pac-12. Is there what we talked about before, a Pac-12 after dark package that is lucrative with a Friday night Pac-12 game of the week that's on a Fox or an ESPN that's lucrative for this as part of the Apple TV deal? A lot of questions left to be answered, but when I see primarily Apple streaming and no number associated with it yet, I don't get good feelings about it. I don't get good feelings about the Pac-12 continue to stay together with their remaining teams. And you would also have to assess, you know, who's bolting when and who's replacing them. Going back to our conversation yesterday, they didn't want San Diego State a month ago. Now all of a sudden, San Diego State's again applying uh, to receive an invitation to the Pac-12. And, I mean, they're going to be grasping at straws to try to have the inventory possible. Right now, they're down to you know single digits on the possibilities for that Pac-12 after dark game of the week on actual linear television more on this plus the major league baseball trade trade deadline it's all straight ahead verlander he's also on the move that's next on hot mike When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Live from 6th NP Body with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us for Hot Mike with Hunt and Withrow across the Outkick Network. Plenty to get to. Michael McHenry will join us in about 20 minutes with the very latest at the Major League Baseball trade deadline, which is uh, just under three hours away from right now. Justin Verlander, who left Houston to go to New York with the Mets on a two-year, $86 million contract, is now headed back to Houston on a trade today from the Mets. So Scherzer and Verlander, who both had no trade clauses, are headed to Texas. Scherzer to the Rangers and Verlander to the Mets on the, the deadline here for trades across Major League Baseball. And Chad, as much as this, uh, the, both pitchers are going to help out their current rotations, I, I look at what the Mets tried to do and what has been a disaster and what has happened at the deadline of them moving guys that you know, ultimately got some guaranteed money here. Verlander has made bank, and now yeah. he heads back to the team where you know, he's a three-time Cy Young winner. Well, this is the failure of the Mets season and their efforts encapsulated into one move. Here you have a guy they signed for top, top dollar to leave the Astros that yeah. is now waiving his no-trade clause with you after you gave him all of this money to go back to the Astros, the team he left, because things are so bad in New York with the Mets. So if there's one thing you can circle and say this is how bad 2023 has been for the Mets, it's this move right here. And I know that they're going to their plan is to win in 2024, and it should be. 
because they're still going to have all the resources, and Steve Cohen has the ability and the desire to go out and spend as much money as it takes. And they're going to go out and, and continue to try to buy a roster that's going to put them in position. I do like the fact that he is at least trading some of these high-priced assets away for some prospect pieces that they can build up with and have not homegrown talent, but young talent they can develop within their farm system. That shows an ability to adapt and be a smart baseball person. But it's been an abject failure with the Mets this year, and this is the perfect example of that. Chad Verlander has a contract paying him over uh, $125 million over three seasons. Uh, compare that to Tom Glavin. We'll just use him as an example. What do you think Glavin made throughout his entire career? How much is Verlander making this year, you said? Uh, he, he's got a, co- uh, a contract that pays him $125 million over three seasons. Oh, my gosh. I, I'm so bad with money when it gets to be that big. It's, I'm, I'm going to say Glavin made $50 million. No, it's, it's right around that same number, though. Oh, like, okay, for his Glavin, career. Glavin's career, 129.7. And you get Verlander for 125 over three seasons. That's it's crazy, crazy it's man. Nu- it's nuts. But that's like it's another example of if you were a great athlete and you can play either one, why would you not play baseball over football? I mean, I get it. if you like oh, football yeah. more, but if you're if it's just I can go pro, I am such an elite athlete. I can go pro in football, basketball, or baseball. Baseball and basketball are so far ahead of playing professional football, especially if you are a running back in yeah. football right yeah. now, that it's not even close as to what you should do with the guaranteed money at stake in both the NBA and Major League Baseball. It's nuts. But the expect like I know they got some uh, two outfielders prospects here. But the expectation is that Cohen just goes right back into the, the bank account in free agency. Yeah. Um, and more power to him there. Well, no, I mean, he's, he's been consistent. Our plan, we're, we're going I, for the World Series in 2024. And I like This year has been a failure, but we're not, this is not taking a step back and rebuilding or resetting. We're going to go into free agency, overspend on the guys we want, hope these prospects we got in return for some of the guys we traded away, they pan out quickly. And we're going right back to try to win a World Series next year. If you're a Mets fan, you got to love that, but you got to hate the results this year. I mean, two of the top three payrolls in Major League Baseball are the Mets, who currently sit second to last, and I believe 18 and a half games behind the Braves in the NL East, and the Yankees, who are currently in last place in the AL East. Terrible year to be a baseball fan in New York City with those two results so far. It's Yankees been, it's been are awful. Uh, 10 games back right now in the AL East with the Orioles leading that race. And then uh, from the Mets' perspective, Chad, you're, uh, they're 17 and a half. I guess they picked up It was up 18 and a half going to last night. I did not factor in the Braves' loss to Shohei Otani and the, uh, the Angels. And they gained a game on them last night, apparently. Uh, next time we visit with Clay, we've got to ask about it. He was at the game with Otani. Well, they uh, and we got to ask them about the booing. They walked Otani intentionally in the second inning, or the first or second inning, and um, uh, Brian Snicker got booed by Braves fans because they wanted to see him hit. I mean, yeah. it, was the, it was what you should do. There's a runner on third with two yeah. outs. It's I think it was the time or one out, and they intentionally walked him, and Snicker just came back and said, yeah, I don't blame him. I'd have been pissed off too. That guy's <laughs> awesome. But he said, I mean, that dude's so good. He might hurt somebody out there at times. He's kind of joking. But he's like, I don't know what to do. He's like, we'll probably do it again. We intentionally walk him. He said he's no just that awesome. No one else does awesome. that, you know? Yeah. 
that's a smart thing to do. Either way, though, I mean, there's got to be some analytical reason. Well, when I to watched him on bases, him, he normally score. When I watched the game last night, he had two singles on just line drives up the middle, and then the last time he came up to bat, he hit one over the fence that Michael Harris robbed in center field. He robbed him of a home run, I think, in the ninth inning at center field at the wall. The dude is amazing, incredible. More on Otani coming up, who's uh, staying with the Angels, although there's still time if they change their mind. But it doesn't seem like they are based on the way they're playing. Uh, Chad, the the uh, player advisory committee for the PGA Tour strengthened considerably uh, with the announcement that Tiger Woods is now going to be the head of the advisory committee on behalf of the players moving forward. This gives them more bite when they had zero of that prior to this announcement. And we know that's true because everyone was left in the dark on the PGA Tour and the negotiations with Live Golf, where three people, um, including uh, Jay Monahan, got the deal done in the, you know, the darkness of, of night, the cloak of uh, darkness, and then announced everything in one fell swoop. And even guys like Tiger didn't know. Now they will, because he, he only takes this. If this is not just some, you know, uh, face to act like you're with the players. This is giving them a major voice. And, and I'm also thinking from this perspective, when Tiger is done with the PGA Tour, when he's officially retired, I could see him being the lead guy for the PGA Tour. The, not just the face for the players, but from a, a, a commissioner standpoint, I think it makes a ton of sense. Yeah, I, look, this is a no-brainer. I mean, Tiger Woods is the guy. Everyone would agree with that. If you're going to have a player advisory board who is the most high-profile, visible, known, respected player in the world, it is Tiger Woods. Now, what this actually means right now, I think, I think we've got the cart ahead of the horse a little bit in that I don't know that it means a whole lot until they get this thing revised because part of it is it's like seven to six now players on the board versus uh, the Jay Monahans of the world yep. on the board. But the way that the current constitution reads, they can't vote things through on their own. They can't, their votes don't outweigh the other six based on the board because part of what Tiger Woods said in the statement was step one is reorganizing the constitution or the bylaws to where we have final say and we can block something that we don't want or we can approve something we want as the player advisory board. They're not there yet. But as the talks go, Tiger will sit there as part of and the lead voice for the players. And from the, if you're uh, anyone from McElroy to Tiger that didn't take the money, any of those guys, you, you definitely have to demand if this is going to continue that you have a seat at the table for anything that's going to be decided. Because they, they, while it, it was just a, 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 an empty seat at the table when this negotiation went down. So uh, with Tiger there, they've got someone that is a hammer. And there's no way he uh, has this announcement happen without authority that they didn't have prior. With, the, with, with a true voice. And look, they, the Player Advisory Committee did not have juice. Now they do. 
Yeah, they got juice. That they still have to look. I think he took this and under the understanding they are going to rework it to where they can outvote the rest of the board because that's what he says up yeah. front. I'm just saying that that's not done yet. He said that we have to rework the Constitution, and I've got to pull up the exact statement that how it reads. But step one is reworking the Constitution essentially to where our seven votes outweigh their six votes. The way it reads now, we can't push anything through on our own. We can't block anything on our own. But that is the goal is that the, us, the players, the players will have say to either push something through or stop it if we want. And they can't do it without our say. But I, the one thing we don't know in this is did they have to really recruit him to do this? Or is this something that was easy based on the fact that the players are pissed off about everything that's gone on behind the scenes? I think it's a little of both. But the PGA Tour also benefits from this. This is a, uh, a credibility grab, right? And it, this is going to be a no-brainer. Everyone's going to say, this is obvious, this is great. Um, and, and without him, it would be the same, the same mindset on what we think of Jay Monahan and the, the power of the players, even though they say it's a player-backed tour. We know how that really went down. Yeah, and here's the, the framework agreement, which is mentioned in the announcement. First, the players and Commissioner Monahan will work together to amend the policy board's governing documents to make it clear that no major decision can be made in the future without the prior involvement and approval of the players, player directors, which is Tiger and the other professional golfers. So that's the biggest chunk of it. First, they have to go and work together to amend that. Again, I don't think Tiger Woods is taking this unless he knows they're going to amend it and he's going to have final say. The other thing this is is just another kick in the crotch to Jay Monahan. I don't know why he continues to keep his job. I mean, this is someone who should probably resign. This is the players board saying, okay, Tiger Woods is now going to come in and be your boss, and you are going to work with us to amend the policy board's governing documents to make sure that we can have veto power over you. I just I find it odd that the guy didn't take the payday or whatever happened with the private investment fund and the Saudi money and walk away because that would have been what was right for the PGA Tour. Again, he probably made the right business decision. And 10 years from now, we could look back and say, man, Jay Monahan was smart to do what he did and partnering when he did. But you're not the one to lead once you turn your back on everything you said and everything you told the players to say. This is another example of that, that they're adding Tiger Woods to give veto power for the players over Monahan. Well, and keep in mind, too, even if Monahan's out, um, they had the most powerful swingers on the, on the board that also got this deal done. You know, the big backers, um, where not every board member was even included in it. So that, that's the other part is if Monahan's out, it's going to be a replacement that's handpicked by Saudi and those guys on the board. Yeah, the final part of this agreement that they want to rework the players director the player directors will have full transparency and the authority to approve or to decline to approve any potential changes to the tour as part of the framework agreement discussions this is the players having full control they've got veto power nothing happens not they're not going to do all the planning but nothing is pushed through without their approval with this player advisory board that's big time if they can rework this, this well, agreement. And, and this merger also continues to move forward because the players will continue to play. You know, there's no threat of that. 
if this gets done. And I also wonder how this ties in to what we saw on Capitol Hill with the hearing and what they want adjusted based on the agreement. So what, uh, more of that as details emerge and when Tiger decides to, to, to speak on it further. Uh, Chad, uh, before we get to Michael McHenry on the trade deadline for MLB, uh, details, uh, some detail out on the Pac-12 media rights deal that was presented to the presidents and chancellors today um, from George Klyavikov, uh, the Pac-12 commissioner. It's an Apple TV Plus uh, the, the primarily primary yeah, the primary uh, streaming service it, and that's where it'll be where you'll find games will be on Apple TV plus uh, we don't know the monetary aspect of it <coughs> here but there's a tier to how they will uh, assess the the money they'll get from this based on subscriptions where there's a base and there's a ceiling and my guess is with the current members that they have they can get somewhere in the the middle tier payment you lose Oregon, you lose Arizona, uh, Utah, Washington. and others, Washington. Where does that floor really sit on what's obtainable? That's the next big question for the Pac-12 and the leadership. It's a tough decision moving forward now. And we don't know the number that's the, the baseline. What is the floor of this deal? Then what could it get to? We don't have those figures yet. I'll continue monitoring X, as it's now called to see if there's any news that, that breaks. I don't know if you saw it on your phone, Hutton, but yeah. Twitter is now officially I, X on my phone. Happened. I couldn't find it when I was looking for it on my phone because it's now X. But we'll monitor the situation and let you know if we get those numbers. Yep. Uh, coming up, Michael McHenry joins us. We'll take a look at the trades that have happened across Major League Baseball. The big one today, Justin Verlander back to Houston. The Mets trading him to the Astros. Details there and much more with McHenry coming up on Hotline. Justin Verlander headed to Houston again, traded from the Mets to the Astros. Welcome back. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. Pleased to be joined by Michael McHenry, one of our MLB analysts here on the show. The Fort joins us. Good to see you, man. Hope things are well. Good to see you guys. Things are great. Crazy day, as always, on this wonderful August 1st, 6 o'clock. Hopefully it'll be done and over with when we move on. So I, I think we all expected that Otani would be the big name that's being moved by the deadline. That That's not going to happen. Meanwhile, Verlander and Scherzer, uh, with no trade clauses, traded out of New York to the state of Texas. Uh, Scherzer to the Rangers, Verlander back to the Astros. Uh, this speaks volumes about what the Mets haven't done based on expectation, but also uh, the opportunity that this the, the new energy for both guys on the mound for their, their new teams or their former teams turn new again. Yeah, I can only imagine being in that Mets clubhouse right now and the devastation that that's going around. I mean, you have two veteran guys, two leaders, guys that don't just walk the walk, they talk the talk, they do it all. And they kind of wrap it up in a nutshell. Yes, they haven't had a good year, but they signed on for multiple years. And you think they wouldn't give up this easily on two guys like that, but if they get the return they want, which it's been very interesting to see the returns. I'm excited to see what happens with Verlander. What all did they get from the Astros? They have a deep, deep system. But you look at this and you're just like, man, you realize right out of the gate, Steve Cohen has to think you cannot buy a championship. You have to create a culture of guys that will fight for each other. They'll love each other. They'll pick each other up. 
They'll do everything they can to win the baseball game because you can win a contract. That doesn't mean anything about putting a ring on your finger. So the the team with the best record in the AL, the Baltimore Orioles, haven't really done much. The team with the best record in the NL, the Atlanta Braves, haven't really done much outside of some relief pitching help. Which one surprises you more right now that they haven't tried to do more to really go for the World Series this year where both teams have a legitimate chance at winning it? I mean, if you look at Atlanta, they're kind of a powerhouse. They have a really good team, and they're going to get kind of boost from guys coming off the IL. So I'm not really surprised they're not doing much. They, they've got a lot of big league talent. Now, on the other hand, you have Baltimore. They have one of the deepest systems, maybe one of the best systems outside of the Pittsburgh Pirates, who just got ranked number one recently. But they're in first place. It's time to run. I think I saw a stat just recently. It was 1970-something, the last time they were in first place for this extended period of time in the AL East. So it's time to go. They 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 maybe be able to do this for multiple years if they kind of stack something on top. I think they're gonna maybe try to get a controllable arm. One of the names is a Pittsburgh Pirate and Mitch Keller. I don't think that's gonna happen. I think it would take too big of a load for them to do that. But they have money, they have resources, and they have the prospects. So Hut, you need to get on the phone, and get your boys going. I know, and they have the prospects because they traded away the stars whenever uh, they recruited me to be. The fan, you well, know, and, the and, now, and, and that's why they have the they they the have prospects. the prospects to leverage yeah. right now. That's what surprised me that you haven't seen a huge name come in to try to fortify that roster because they have the farm system to leverage with someone that wanted to deal a, a big time guy. What do you think about what your Pittsburgh Pirates have done so far? Once again, in a, in a position to sell with that great farm system. Also, what do you think about what they've gotten in return for what they've dealt? Uh, I think they've done a really good job thus far over the last couple of years getting assets. You know, I don't even call them players because I don't know if they see these guys sometimes as human beings. They see them as assets. But now it's time to use those assets and double down and, and get some big league arms, big league prospects, guys that are ready to go because these Pittsburgh Pirates are young, they're hungry, and they seem to have a really good clubhouse. They just traded one of their best clubhouse guys or maybe the best two clubhouse guys outside of Andrew McCutcheon. So it's going to be interesting to see the dynamic when I go over there today see how the guys feel about Rich Hill leaving, about Santana leaving, Choi. These guys are guys that they brought in to kind of mold that team into more of a veteran leadership group and understanding what MLB is, how to play. And these guys were makeup character first guys. So I'm very interested to see how it kind of pans out. But, man, the young talent they're bringing up and what they have below in the lower minor leagues is kind of remarkable. So now they have all these assets to be able to trade. Let's see what happens. Michael McHenry with us. Uh we had Kurt Schilling on last week, and uh, he brought up something that, that sparked uh, an idea. Like, I've never thought of it this way from the trade deadline. I've always thought about it from the player's perspective because it's got to be nerve-wracking. But he, he also threw in, he's like, from the manager's perspective, you know if you're a seller that you're probably on the way out as a manager. And if you're buying, you've got a shot, right? Like, they're, they're still buying into where you are currently in the standings. And that you, you have a chance to to prove that you're either going to be retained or you you know you will be. Um, what what's the most nerve wracking aspect of it from a player, Mike, who who knows he's not going to be dealt? Like you're either stuck with a, a a bad team that gets worse, or you get a little energy right here in August for the home stretch. You know, the reality of today's game, I don't know if you ever feel comfortable. I mean, you look at Scherzer had a no-trade no clause. Nolan Arenado's name was out there. He has a no-trade clause. You see what just happened with Verlander. He had a no-trade clause. So 
players have a lot of power, but at the same time, most of the guys aren't those guys. So they're just assets. I mean, we have, they, they talked about David Bednar. We, we did a little segment on him about the icy light joke with Kershaw. He was just, uh, he just closed the game during Yenzer Palooza, which we had 42,000 people in a 40,000 stadium. This guy is a legend in Pittsburgh and his names are being brought up, whether it's rumors or not. That's where the game is. I mean, if you can get what you believe or deem is the right prospect pool for a guy that maybe is a staple in an organization, you're probably going to pull the trigger unless the owner says, no, this is bigger than baseball, which they should. A lot of times when they step in, that's when the good things happen. But a lot of times they'll let the GMs or whoever just kind of take over and just grab those prospects with no real reason. And then look back and say, man, did we just mess up that? What's it like from a prospect's perspective? It stinks. I'll never forget when they had to make a roster move and I got traded to Boston. I just sat over in the bullpen, no clue why, for nine innings. My wife came up to me with her phone and said, look, you just got traded to Boston. The fact that I had to sit for three innings and I thought I got in trouble for some reason, (laughs) nobody told me anything. And then I go in and they finally tell me, my farm director's crying, says thanks, I'm crying. And I go to Boston and then you're kind of, like what's next? It's all new. You've never been anywhere besides the team that drafted you. So it's overwhelming. Uh, I, I got drafted a couple of times in the same year and that year. And it could be a lot because you really don't know where you fit unless they are very open and honest. A lot of times these teams aren't transparent. They just pull you over and say, hey, it's time to go. Go play and we'll see what happens. So the Dodgers response to what was a, a failed attempt at something with the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence that really did not go over that well. Uh, they decide to have a faith and family night at the ballpark, and Clayton Kershaw is a big part of it. The actor Chris Pratt was, threw out the first pitch and led a discussion a- after the game. I know you've been a part of some of these in the past, Michael. What do you think about the Dodgers' good decision on top of what I think was a bad decision earlier this year? Hey, at least they didn't put it in and take it back, put it in and take it back, and really yeah. don't have, have no stance. I think you talked to the players and the fans spoke very loudly. They didn't show up. And I, I think that's great. But for the faith day, they did show up. And that's that's what it's all about. When your best players are able to pull in guys like Jeremy Camp, who's one of my favorite singers, uh, Christian Wise, Clayton Kershaw's, you know, the head of it. You're going to get some really, really remarkable things that happen. And some of the faith nights I've been a part of, I've had 10,000, 13,000 people stay after a game. And it's remarkable. I mean, it's a it's a movement. It's it's a little ripple you can create that maybe they go out and get in their community. I just did one the other day, which what you're looking at at Johnstown, PA. It's my third one there. And it grows every single year. And I get to hear stories. And one of the stories I just heard was a, a man just lost his wife to cancer. And he shared his favorite Bible verse with me because he asked me what mine was. I told him and he said, mine's in Thess- Thessalonians. And he said, to be thankful for all, no matter what. And he said, I'm thankful for every moment I got to have with my wife, even though she passed away last June or whenever it was. That's what it's all about. Some type of relationship building and growing with fans and be able to produce that fruit that they can go out, you know, nourish on it and then hopefully nourish others. Uh, Do most major league teams do a, a faith and family night or is this something that's very, you know, scattered across the league currently? When I first got to Pittsburgh, they'd never done one. Um, me, Kutch, and Jay Hay got together and kind of forced the issue. They've done it every year since. It's kind of hit or miss. Most most teams will do it now because it is a moneymaker. You're going to get a lot of youth groups, going to go to a lot of churches coming in just because it is faith night. And if you have big names like Clayton Kershaw, like Andrew McCutcheon, like Mookie Betts, 
you're going to make sure that you're going to get a draw. So there is a money aspect to it. There's a business aspect to it. And two, like, why not? I mean, I, I feel like you should always try to maybe play around with every single thing you can to try to grow in the community and see where it goes. Uh, finally, your your thoughts on Otani sticking with the Angels because L.A. doesn't want to deal him at the deadline. They're They're trying to make the playoffs. And the Angels going for it. I mean, look at all yeah. their acquisitions, not just Otani. They does, became a big-time buyer does this, in this market. Does this mean that they're trying to have Otani buy-in for the long-term future in negotiations? I, I think you have to believe so. I mean, they had their backs against the wall. Trout goes down with his handmade bone. Otani's got a blister on his hand. We go in as the Pirates and, and beat him up a little bit, but they somehow squeezed out every single game that I've watched lately some way, some shape, some form. It's like there's a little bit of magic to it. So I hope it all works out. Mike Trout comes back sometime in the middle of August and he hits the ground running. This team's a different team. And I think they could really make a strong, strong push because they're a good ball team. They have the best two players on the planet, in my opinion. And one of them's actually two players. And that guy, he's a cyborg. So it's going to be very interesting. And I think for baseball, I think seeing Trout and Otani fighting in the playoffs to win maybe a world series this year would just be epic. And that would give them a chance to sign him back because, you know, if they get close, maybe let's come, come back and finish it. Well, certainly the household names there with the angels, a, a club that doesn't have a lot of household names, the diamondbacks in the national league, another one who became an aggressive buyer go leading up to the trade deadline. What, what do you think of this Arizona team and their chance to maybe get hot and go on a surprising run? I like it. I mean, they have one of the best young players in all of baseball. And, and you look at how their team's built. They have really good pitching at the top. They have a really good back end of the bullpen. They're trying to fill in some gaps in between. But this team really doesn't slump. They have a lot of guys with barrel control. They don't swing and miss a lot. They run the bases extremely well. They do all the little things. So that's a team that's playoff, playoff oriented, could really run if they're hot. When you have a team that can do a lot of little things, play good defense, run good bases, and, and throw strikes, especially at the top, and you do have a superstar pitcher, there's a chance they could make a strong, strong run. I still, I'll tell you right now, I don't think anybody's going to be able to stand up to Atlanta in the end. Michael McHenry has been our guest. You're back on Thursday, right? Let's go. I am. I can't wait. Looking forward to Chad's it. Chad's got a well-deserved uh, couple days off here, and you're nice enough to join me on Thursday. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a blast. No doubt. And Chad, you have a great girls' dinner during your days off. I hope it's outstanding. Get some good meat and cheese, maybe a little glass of wine and enjoy it. Uh, some chicken nuggets and some mac and cheese. If my, oh, uh, that's daughters, a my daughters have the pick, that's, that's what we'll be eating every time. <laughs> Chad's off. There's going to be a uh, man's dinner. Michael, I know you'll crush it. You, you've co-hosted with me before, so I know that the show is in good Blue hands. Blue Raiders represent that's on right. Thursday. It's going to be fun. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. I really yeah. appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, there's the fort, Michael McHenry, who's uh, who's been our guest. Great, great dude. Um uh, and, and with us every other week when, when Schilling's with us uh, again next week. I know we're going to talk more Angels coming up. Yeah. But uh, watch out for what – it's not just that, hey, we're not going to sell. I know. It's that we're going to go all in on adding players, adding bats, adding arms, and really stacking it up and going for it. It's, it's, a, it's a fascinating and, experiment and they had we're to seeing do it take place. If they want any chance of keeping Otani. They well, had and, to go all in if they're keeping him. And if they want any chance. To me, the bigger thing is if they want any chance of seizing something out yep. of having the two best players in baseball on the roster while they have them. They know they have them for the rest of the season. Once Trout comes back healthy, you hope. Yeah. So, uh, it, to me, it's not just let's re-sign Otani. It's let's go win the damn World Series right now. Let's win the whole bleeping thing, as they said in Major League.
That's what the Angels are trying to do. I, I commend them for it, but to a point, it, it's, it's a big risk-reward type thing because if it does not work and this team doesn't get to the playoffs or doesn't win big – in some way, it's going to look bad, especially yeah. if they lose Otani. Well, I, 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 the more and more I think about what they're deciding to do, the more and more I really like it. And uh, details as to why next uh, with, with Otani being this uh, the new Babe Ruth of, of baseball. And, uh, Chad, I know you're, you're going in on the celebration of a scoreless draw for the U.S. women's national team. I feel like Dan Z does about this U.S. women's national team, <laughs> but not for the same reason. I'll explain why. That and more straight ahead here on Hot Mike.